Hi, this is Raphael Pope-Sussman of the Center for Court Innovation. This podcast is part of a series we are doing with people seeking to curb violence and improve access to public health for at-risk minority youth as part of the Minority Youth Violence Prevention Initiative. The initiative is a partnership of the Office of Minority Health at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Office of Community-Oriented Policing Services at the U.S. Department of Justice that encourages collaboration among public health organizations, law enforcement agencies, and community-based groups. Our podcast series highlights innovative approaches at the nine demonstration sites that have received funding under the program. In this week's podcast, we're looking at Cabarrus Students Taking a Right Stand, or STARS, in Cabarrus County, North Carolina. STARS is a school-based youth leadership program for males aimed at creating a healthy, positive school community through mentorship and positive role modeling. Key activities for this initiative include youth development, academic enrichment activities, service learning, tutoring, case management, and in-home parent resources. Through Cabarrus STARS' partnership with local law enforcement, the police department's student resource officers serve as mentors and assist with youth programming. We're focusing this podcast on the specialized curriculum Cabarrus STARS use with its youth, as well as the program's use of a range of evidence-based tools. Hi, this is Raphael Pope-Sussman of the Center for Court Innovation. In today's podcast, we're looking at the Cabarrus STARS, or Students Taking a Right Stand program, in Cabarrus County, North Carolina. Joining us today are Katie Dite and Rolanda Patrick, program managers at Cabarrus STARS, and Sue Yates, chief financial officer for the Cabarrus Health Alliance. Katie, Rolanda, and Sue, thank you for speaking with me today, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to have you here. So to start out, can you describe how Cabarrus STARS works? This is Katie Dite, and we are a three-tiered program. We have Tier 1, which is systems-level training and change within the schools. Tier 2, which is our positive youth development uh, piece of it, where we have a group-level intervention. And then Tier 3, where we have intensive individual services, both for the students and then a parental engagement piece. So the program partners with four schools. Can you talk me through those partnerships a bit? I know you focus on school climate and bullying as part of that. Yes, sir. In regards to the four schools that we currently work with, two are located in Kannapolis City. So we actually work with two different school systems, the first being Kannapolis City and the second being Cabarrus County Schools. The schools in general are Kannapolis Middle School, A.L. Brown High School, both in Kannapolis, Concord High School and Concord Middle School in Cabarrus County. So we're able to work with a minimum of 15 students, 15 to 17 students at each school for 15 weeks. So we begin in September. Our first session will end in January. Our second semester will begin in January and end in May. During that time, we're able to implement an evidence-based curriculum called Too Good for Violence at the middle school level and Too Good for Drugs and Violence on the high school level. And at every school, we're able to work with them again for 15 weeks, a minimum of two hours. Our other partners include our local law enforcement agency, so that would be Kannapolis City Police Department, as well as the Cabarrus County Police Department. We also have partnerships with the Youth Educational Services Society in Charlotte. They actually serve as our facilitators for our program. 
And we also have a facilitator that comes from the Boys and Girls Club. In addition to that, each of the four schools also receive case management services. And I'm sorry, this is Katie Dyke. And they are given to about eight students per year at each of the four sites. And so those students are selected from our group and they might um, receive something like an interactive journaling program. Um, some of them get a mentor. We try to team them up with mentors who are either connected to their school or into the, as local public servants, either as firefighters or police officers. This year, we expanded our mentoring program a little bit. We now work with more teachers and coaches than we did last year. And we have a total of 13 mentors. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about interactive journaling and, and the mechanism behind that part of the curriculum. Sure. So this is Katie Dyke, and I oversee the case manager who uses the interactive journaling program. It's called Keep It Direct and Simple, or KIDS for short, and it's a series that's divided up into different needs that the student might identify. So we first meet with the student before we select a journal, and once we kind of get to know them, talk about what they see as some of their biggest challenges, we help them select a journal that might be most useful. For instance, a lot of our students select the one, it's called Anger and Other Feelings. Other students opt for the one called Personal Relationships. And it's really a great system that walks the students through each of these problems in a really in-depth but easy to understand way. So our middle and high schoolers both use it. And we've seen some pretty good results. There's a pre and post test for each of the journals. And so they ask things, for instance, for the anger and other feelings they'll ask students to name five major feelings that they've experienced. And for a lot of our students, it's difficult to name anything other than maybe angry or sad when we first start. But by the end of it, they're able to identify other ones such as grief or shame or guilt, which just helps the students really expand their vocabulary and put words to what they're feeling rather than just always resorting back to anger as their number one. So we really aim to have each student who's in case management complete one journal at least, but most of them can at least get on to the second one. And like we said, we let the students kind of guide which one they're interested in taking, which one they think will benefit them the most. In addition to the kids series, we also have another one that we pull a few different um, extra assignments from. They're totally up to the student, but we find that they kind of complement one another. It's aimed towards an older crowd particularly a crowd that might be in the juvenile justice system. Most of our kids don't have that involvement, but um, we do find that some of those different activities have been helpful for the students to kind of go over in depth with our case manager. Are there other evidence-based tools that you have in use right now or that you plan to use? This is Rolanda. For the program, yes. Um, again, the evidence-based curriculum that we utilize for the group level component of our program too good for drugs and too good for drugs and violence. And they were both created by the Mendez Foundation in Atlanta, Georgia. And how do those operate? Each curriculum has 10 weeks of sessions. The topics include conflict resolution, healthy relationships, goal setting, decision making, identifying and managing emotions, bullying, peer violence, dating, drugs, media, and influence. Each curriculum activity lasts about 55 minutes in general. Immediately following our curriculum lesson, we conduct positive development type activities with our youth that reflect team building and respect with a local partner called Capstone Climbing and Adventure, and that guides the young men 
through activities like low ropes course, um, working together and making the right decisions. We also include positive youth development activities as hip hop workshops, as well as inviting local law enforcement officers in to talk to the youth about current events. So the facilitators are all black men, and the population of youth, they're all young men. I'm curious about the philosophy behind that. This is Rolanda, and in regards to your question, we believe that our participants will respond best by identifying with a person that looks like them. Um, so in regards to our facilitators, we do have three African-American male facilitators. Now, while the young men do work well with myself and Ms. Katie Dyke, um, when it comes to personal topics and just sharing what it means to be a young man, what it means to be a young man in America, um, how, to, how to conquer some of the challenges that males face, it's easier for them to um, build this relationship and have that dialogue with a male facilitator versus a female facilitator. This is Katie Day. Um, in addition to the facilitators, we also have all of our mentors, and it is a requirement that all the mentors are male. Um, they don't have to be specifically men of color, but we do, like Rolanda mentioned, find it most helpful when the students can see in either the facilitators or the mentors a positive male role model. And how do the young people respond to that? This is Rolanda. They absolutely love it. In regards to our attendance, we have about a 93% retention rate throughout all 15 weeks. So I would say that our young men are actually um, enjoying the program, and they are actually suggesting, suggesting that their friends request to participate in the upcoming semesters. I'm wondering if you might have a, a story of a young man who came into the program and the outcome for him when he came out of the program. This is Rolanda. Um, last year, it was brought to our attention um, that a young man, he was a seventh grader at one of our middle schoolers. He did not respect teachers. He did not respect administration. He received about 15 disciplinary write-ups last year. And this year, he's in our STARS program at one of our middle schools. And this young man shared about two weeks ago that he did not like the police. He did not like police officers. It didn't matter whether they were male, if they were female, regardless of their race or ethnicity. We also have an activity called Pizza with Police that we host at our four schools. And this young man, he participated. He didn't say anything, but he was definitely observing what was going on. And immediately following that session, he shared with myself that he was interested in receiving a mentor and that he wanted the mentor to be a police officer. So that just goes to show how our activities are actually able to change the mindset of some of our participants. On a more macro scale, I'm wondering how you're measuring outcomes across the program. Sure, this is Katie, um, and we have a couple different ways that we've been measuring it. First of all, we do with our group level um, individuals, we do a pre and post test. So prior, the very first day of the program, they receive two different evaluations. One is focusing on student knowledge, and that could be about bullying behavior, that could be about substance abuse, and then the other one is student attitudes, and that's just towards their general attitudes on violence in general. And then, so they take that on the first day of the program, and then they complete the same two surveys on the last day of the program. So they have a semester of learning in between the two. And we contract with an evaluator from UNC Charlotte, so he'll help us determine if there are significant differences in between those two pre and post. 
Um, in addition to that, we have a group of control students at each of our four schools. So that's about 15 students who have been matched with the STARS participants in terms of age, um, race, and their different behaviors at school. So they might also, they, some of them have actually then gone on to be referred for the program for the second semester. Um, and they are also given the pre and post test at the start and end of the semester. And we compare whether or not the intervention group has improved in comparison to the control group. So that's one set that we do. Another one is a school climate survey. That's conducted in April. We did one last April. We'll do one in 2016 and we'll do one more in 2017. We do that at our four target sites as well as two control schools. Um, so they have schools that have been matched in terms of just general demographics, poverty levels in regards to free and reduced lunch, the different uh, ethnic makeup of the schools. We try to match them as closely as possible. They receive a school climate survey that's about 60 questions. We've added a few additional ones in terms of their relation with their police departments in their neighborhood to gauge how students and staff are feeling on that. And then 10% of the school takes that. So it's not just one grade, but rather all four grades in high schools are asked to take it, or all, both of the grades in the middle schools are asked to take it. And that way we get a wide representation about what school climate is in regards to is my school a safe place, is my school clean, do I feel welcomed, and then staff is asked to take a very similar school climate. And then we compare our target schools with our control schools to see how school climate as a whole is being impacted. And do you have some of those early results? We do. We have our first semester, and so we did see improvements, particularly within our intervention groups in terms of their student attitude and student knowledge um, prior to the start of the program compared to the end of it. Um, the school climate, since it was a baseline, we don't have any real data about how we're doing in terms of improving that. When we started, our control schools were actually um, doing well in terms of their school climate as compared to our intervention schools. So there's definitely room for improvement, but we did see a lot of positive feedback from the staff and students in terms of what areas they'd like to see improved upon. And what's next? So we are working on this second semester. We have three more, I'm sorry, and this is Katie again. We have three more semesters following this. So the spring, then the next year will be fall 2016 and spring 2017. Um, we'll continue to monitor school climate for the next two spring surveys. We'll continue to work with three more groups of students. But right now we're just focused on the students that we have, both in our group level intervention as well as case management. And we'll start to think a little bit about our summer enrichment activities. Over the next few weeks, those ideas will really start to come together as we plan for the summer. And this is Rolanda. Also, building on our tutoring program at our middle schools, increasing the number of mentors that we have, as well as the number of programs um, and participation that our local law enforcement agencies provide. Wonderful. Well, do you have anything else to add? This is Rolanda. I would like to add um, that it is a pleasure working with our four schools. We've had the opportunity to reach over 120 students thus far, and Katie and I are definitely looking forward to the upcoming um, semesters as well as the summer. It's a pleasure to work with the parents, the teachers, the administrators, of course, as we're building and encouraging um, our young men to be as successful as possible. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out to speak with me today. It's Absolutely. our pleasure. 
So this has been Raphael Pope-Sussman of the Center for Court Innovation, and we've been speaking with Katie Dite and Rolanda Patrick, Program Managers at Cabarrus Stars, and Sue Yates, Chief Financial Officer for the Cabarrus Health Lines. For more information on the Center for Court Innovation, visit www.courtinnovation.org.